really going to have more fun with it if you kind of go into like a more of a trial and error type mindset. But when you do that trial and error, that's totally like how a kid really learns something. Just, you know, see what happens when this gets smashed up and see what happens when I throw this on the wall. Hello, all my playful, fun-loving creatives. Thank you for joining me on the Sage Arts Podcast. This is Sage, and we are going to be getting into a conversation today with a really fun artist. So I'm going to keep the beginning here a little short. I don't have a lot of story to tell you, no metaphorical tidbits, really. I am a little behind on some things. You may have noticed if you follow me on social media, I haven't posted a lot recently. We were up in Santa Cruz where Brett's daughter uh, graduated college. Very exciting. She graduated with a double major, which in my day, it would have been art history, but they call it the history of visual arts and communication and visual art major as well. I don't know where she got all that from, <laughs> but we're very proud of her. And we spent a lot of time up there with her and, and her friends and their friends' families. And it was a great time. So I got a little behind on work and I don't have shout outs today because I haven't really, I kind of track them and I haven't been able to do that, but I will get all caught up next week. I did work some more on what we need to do in order to get some Zoom chat started next month. And it does look like we're going to be starting July 9th. So I will get more information up for you when I get the details. I was going to do kind of a sign up and donate and get a little ticket and uh, I'm not going to make it complicated. I'm going to put out links to the Zoom and we're going to do it on the honor system so you can do a suggested donation to it. But the Zoom calls that I've talked about in previous episodes is a way to connect to you and for you to connect with me and all the other people who listen to this as well to have more in-depth conversations about the subject matters that the podcast brings up. But in any case, that's coming up. If you want to keep up to date on that, make sure that you've signed up for the newsletter. I'm going to be sending out the information and the links for those Zoom calls through the newsletter. So get that at thesagearts.com. It's on the front page. It's the news and notices button. There's also a link in the show notes if you have show notes available because you're listening through a podcast player. There's also now a Facebook group, the Sage Art Share Space. It used to be the Art Boxer Share Space. So if you've already signed up for that group before, you'll already be in there. But I'm going to use that as a space to also put out the link for the Zoom chat. So you have two different options. If you don't like getting newsletters, you can join the Facebook group as well or vice versa. Just search for the Sage Art Share Space on Facebook if you want to join that group and I will let you in. And as always, if you'd like to write me, maybe tell me what you'd like to get out of these upcoming Zoom chats. I definitely have ideas and a little bit of structure for it, but I'd like to hear your thoughts and even timeframes. I do have some timeframes down. We're looking at Sunday night and probably a Wednesday or Thursday a.m. time, daytime, at least where I'm at. So send your thoughts or comments to me via the sagearts.com website. You can use the contact page there. You can also Message me through Instagram or Facebook at the Sage Arts Podcast pages or on the Sage Arts Share Space, of course. Or if you know me via and my personal pages, you're welcome to do that as well. Just reach out and let me know what you think. And if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to support it, I always have to throw this one out. You can donate via the PayPal button and the Buy Me a Coffee button, which you will find on the sagearts.com homepage as well. So I'm going to leave that as the business for today so we can get on to our discussion with Lael McDill. And we're going to talk about childlike wonderment. So this isn't going to be too serious, <laughs> right? So settle in and get your, your tea or your coffee or whatever it is you need. And let's go join Lael now. 
My guest today is Lael McDill. She's a whimsical sculptural artist who specializes in Millefiori cane work using polymer clay. Thank you for joining me today, Lael. Oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. This is going to be such a thrill. I'm just so excited. Great. Yeah, I, I'm excited too. We're going to be talking about childlike wonderment, and it's so evident in your work because it's, I don't know how to explain it. I hate that this is audio <laughs> sometimes because it's, it's sculptural, a lot of wall work, a lot of like mm-hmm. so-called functional items like teapots and stuff, while I imagine they're not yeah. overly functional yeah. the way you do them. But um, <laughs> yeah, but there's just, there's just so much just letting go the childlike wonderment that you can feel that kind of like almost um, subconsciousness in the way your work is constructed and the colors and just the vibrancy and the movement. There's lots of movement. There's wire pieces going in different directions. The pieces go in different directions. I don't don't know if I've ever seen you do anything like in a rectangle or a square. They don't come like Uh, that. (laughs) If I do, if I do, I'm breaking out of that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, you break out of the frame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hardly ever stay in the frame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you aren't familiar with Lael's work, do look it up and I will post stuff on Facebook and Instagram, of course, as well. So, Lael, let's start with just let's talk about your work in terms of like what is your artistic creative focus? I know I tried to verbalize it not very well. So would you would you do that? I know. I know. It's so hard. Yeah. I mean, I really am very much into cane work. So I love to make a millifiori canes that are super, super detailed. And then I, I always kind of describe it as I'm creating my palette of pictures. So I've uh-huh. got all these little tiny pictures and I'll use that palette of pictures as sort of a jumping off point. And so I'm yeah. using it to build onto things or and a lot of times covering mixed media or found objects and things. Right, and right. sometimes it's all clay and sometimes it's mixed media and really it just goes on and on goes and on. somewhat figuratively, like if it's abstract it's still like an abstracted landscape but a lot of animals figures kind of what we're talking about here (laughs) i'm gonna stop and like explain what the millifiori canes are for people who aren't familiar like if you're in polymer clay you know what they are but basically it's like sushi you roll a bunch of stuff up you slice it and then you look at the slice side and it's like this decorative pattern but in clay you do these what are very detailed rolls that are then sliced up in these small pieces. And they're not necessarily round. Some of them are square or triangles or whatever. They're different shapes. And that's the building blocks. It's like you do mosaic with polymer clay, but it, it just is a little, little bit like sliced that. tiles. So so more yeah, in that yeah. mode, if you're unfamiliar with mm. what the millefiori is. And that, yeah. the millefiori comes from what they used to do with glass. It was primarily Italy, right? Yeah, it actually even goes back to ancient Egyptian times, which oh, wow. I always look at museums and they're like, few museums around the world have tiny little chunks of glass. There's one at the Louvre that has a chunk of a cow in the glass in that the, the oh, Egyptians very did. Cool. It's All just right. mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they made these long pipes Drips of, of, glass. of glass, and then they sliced them off like slicing bread or whatever, yep. and they made them as decorative pieces. So, yep. so that's what you do as well, but with yep. polymer clay and then other mm-hmm. mixed media with it. So now we yep. have a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. your focus right now is primarily sculptural work. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everything is good. At, you know, I think pretty much my whole career has been sculptural. Even if I was painting, I was painting on something I found, you know, like a suitcase or a chair, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't do a lot of just flat. Yeah. I've never really been in just two dimensions, at least two and a half dimension. Two and a half dimensions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to explain two and a half dimensions. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like sometimes it's flat, 
but it's a lot of flat things going together and sometimes sticking out in different directions uh-huh. and you know it might go on a wall but it's sticking out from the wall and, yeah you know, gotcha gotcha so yeah. it's three it's three-dimensional in that it's yeah. not like a representational flat image because mm-hmm. you're using pieces that are put together yeah 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 yes two yeah. and a half dimensions yeah so let's back up a little bit tell us where you're from where do you live I live in the uh, Northeast Minneapolis Arts District. So I'm in Minneapolis and they have this arts district that like 25 years ago, we moved to right when it was getting started. And the whole neighborhood is full of like a lot of warehouses and old spaces. Like there's a Uh casket factory that's turned into an artist (laughs) building. This is where all the trains went through in Minneapolis Uh and everything is turned into uh, artist studios. So... I've lived here a long time and I'm surrounded by artists. Like 1,200 artists live in this oh, area. Oh, wow. Pretty amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. What a place to create. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I mean, you wouldn't think in Minneapolis, but then again, it makes sense. We've got really long winters, so what yeah, else are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's funny. Now, this is all you do, right? You are an artist. Not that's all you do, but this is what you do for a living. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. At this point, 30 years in, I'm completely unemployable. I could never have a real job, <laughs> I don't think. I'm super lucky in that sense. It, yeah. it, it's been what I've done since I graduated art school. And I figured out a way to make it work, you know? I do just with a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. And I believe, if I remember, your husband does tile? Yeah. And you do that together? My husband? Kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of our business things kind of like meld together. So we share like a website and but we, and we share a studio and I get to use the shipping department, which is really awesome. Great. <laughs> and, uh, and the bookkeeper, and, you know, so nice. he makes handmade tile and he stays put and I travel around and it, it works out really well. Wow. That's a lot of stuff that's come together for you that really, it I mean, really has. Like, as artists, I think we'd all yeah. like to share somebody's bookkeeper <laughs> and shipping department. I and know. That's amazing. Oh so is there anything else besides the artwork that you do that you feel that you have a passion for that kind of adds to who you are? Yeah, you know, I have a passion for a lot of things. Like I do a lot of exercise, biking, and I row on a rowing machine. I've gotten really obsessed with that. But, oh. <laughs> um, but I've really been getting back into storytelling a lot lately. I uh-huh. used to do it early on, like with whimsical stories, like made up fantastical stories. And now I'm getting more back into like telling realistic stories. And I've done it with the moth. Have you ever heard of the moth um, story slams? It's like a NPR thing. And uh-huh. it's like they draw your name out of a hat and then you okay. give a, tell a story. I, I end up kind of developing these stories while I'm on my long drives. So it's my other art form that I can do while I'm driving. I do the same so, exact thing. Do you have a recorder? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, yes. I just recorded yeah. and yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are you going to do with yeah. all those hours so, on the road? It's such great thinking yeah, time. It is. And it's really like kind of brought me back into stories again in my art, and but in a different way. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see how that's going to keep developing. Yeah. If I try it more and more. Now you've been in art for what seems like your whole life, but how did it start? Do you remember when you first were like, I like making art or you just were and it just became what it is? Well, the lore of our family that my aunt always tells me is when I was like two, I said, I'm going to be an artist and a mother. And that's what it was. And, oh, wow. That's, that's I incredible. Like, it's like I knew for very, very early, but I didn't really know what an artist was. I mean, how did I know <laughs> what an artist was? I don't know. But I, yeah, I was always a maker, you know, drawing, doodling, sculpting, you know, 
building things like forts with um, space stations in the fort. In the, <laughs> in the, and plus, I also had little sisters. They're like seven and nine and a half years younger than me. So I got to like oh, wow. keep playing and being creative yeah. with them. So I do a lot of yeah. art projects with them. And I was in 4-H where I was like, I must do every single project that is available that they list in the booklet for the <laughs> county fair. So I'd go down the list and I'd learn all the different, what is it? one of the weird ones was tube art. What's tube art? So I'd go to the library and look it up and it was some kind of drawing with these little tubey paint pencil thingies. And <laughs> Okay, I have to look it up now too. Yeah. <laughs> it's tube art. Yeah, I try all those different things. So all the way through, but I lived in Wyoming. So I grew up in Gillette, Wyoming, which is uh-huh. like a boom town. I'd see bronze sculptures of cowboys and Indians and landscapes and, you know, wilderness sort of things. Yeah. But not until I was going into my senior year of high school and my parents took us to the Smithsonian and I saw like abstract art, pop art, and my mind was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This can be art too. You know, I also think the other art I thought of as art was stickers and (laughs) anything you could see at Hallmark carts. You know, that's art. <laughs> so, yeah. so seeing limited you know, exposure, like, this dimensional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Then my senior year of high school, I took what I saw at the Smithsonian, and I also got to do like a summer camp that year too, which I think was a big thing, and met a lot of like young artists from all over the country. And that summer, and then going into the next senior year, it was like I, I always think of that year of my life was like this like huge peak creative time that I'm constantly yeah. like trying to like emulate again, still in my life, <laughs> you know, to just be able to make all these things. And my art teacher was awesome, and he just kind of let me do whatever I wanted to. So nice. But but then, of course, I thought you can't make a living doing this. This is it possible. <laughs> I should probably be an illustrator. I, I know children's books is something, and I like stories, and I like children. <laughs> so I thought I would be like a children's book illustrator, and that's what I went to school for. But I I think I'm kind of lucky that I didn't go that route. I don't think it would have been my best fit. I I tried it. I sent out full manuscripts, fully illustrated books to oh, every okay. publisher. I tried really hard. Yeah, and I yeah. did do like three books for a small publishing company, but I actually didn't like it that much. It was, well, <laughs> for one thing, it's like, it's really flat. Even though I was doing like collage work, it was like, it's too flat. It's too like not dimensional enough. Yeah, And they always tell you to change like your favorite part. They always want you to change your favorite part. Of course, part. Yes, so, yes, I just, yeah. <laughs> so I actually did an art fair in school when I was still in college, just so your end of the year, like put your stuff out and see if people buy it side yeah. of thing. And yeah. I made a thousand bucks and I was like, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. What I make, people will buy what I make, like just these quirky little things that I've been doodling all semester, not just assignment pieces, but things I just did randomly. And yeah, that, that's encouraging. That was the light bulb moment of, oh, how can I do this again? How do I do this more? <laughs> and it's like, well, if I do it once, I can do it again. Of course, you know, it doesn't always work out exactly like that. You have a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> a roller right, coaster. exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But you've made it work. You've been doing this for 30 years yeah. now. And that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, let's do some get to know you questions and then we're going to get into our our subject matter. So, okay. So let's see. If you could be remembered for one thing, what do you think it would be? I would love to be remembered for my amazing ability to pack an art fair van. (laughs) (laughs) I am so good at it. Uh, <laughs> and we, even when I would travel with my two daughters and my husband, and at that point, we only had a station wagon, and oh. the other artists would watch me pack uh, that station wagon and put the kids in and just be like, it's like a clown car. Like, how right? do you keep getting keep all that coming. stuff in there? <laughs> 
So are you really good at Tetris too? <laughs> it's, it is. I think I get it from my dad. I, it's kind of a thing in my family. It's like, how can we pack like so much stuff? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it was, it was good you, you got that, uh, that skill early on. <laughs> That's yep. great. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, what would you say is the best compliment you've ever gotten on your work? You know, over the years, when you do so many different sales and, you know, you go back to the same places and a lot of times, you know, people come back and say, oh, I bought this from you. And I mean, that is always so heartwarming. And I know some artists get kind of like frustrated that, oh, I didn't sell anything because people just come back and said how much they love everything. But um, there's been so many cool stories and some people come back every year about their same piece and tell me how much they love it. People get kind of emotional sometimes when they buy things and it can be like so heartwarming. I was at an art fair down in Florida and a woman came in and she was actually like crying and, you know, she purchased this like... I think it was like a butterfly ornament, just a uh-huh. little thing. And she told me that she just found out that her dad had passed away, like when she was Aww. at the art fair. And it was just like, oh. and she said, I'm buying this to bring myself joy and to Oh, it's going to make me moment. cry. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. I like still think of it. And it just gives me chills. And I was just like, wow, you know, that's a compliment to have your art be chosen as the thing that's going to be that this, meaningful in somebody's life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing what we do. I mean, a lot of times we feel like we do this for ourselves because we can't not do it. Right. Yeah. But how it affects other people. Sometimes we don't realize because we yeah. don't necessarily know that that that's why people yeah. are buying it, you know, especially if it's like online, yeah. you don't even get to meet them or anything, yeah. but they take right. it home and they, it's this whole thing to them. You know, it means something yeah. different than, you know, just the money that they paid you. Exactly. That's an incredible story. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you had any criticisms or insults that you're particularly yeah. proud of? <laughs> yeah. I guess for this, like, worst case scenario when you're in art school, right? And I'm proud of surviving it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right away, in my very first semester, I was. It was just community college. It wasn't even art school. I was still in community college, and I was yeah. in a sculpture class. And my sculpture teacher came up to me and said, "You're going to thank me for this later." And then she crushed my sculpture. <gasps> it was a, a ceramic clay form that I'd made, and she just dug her fingers into it and just smashed it down, and you oh know, my it gosh. was completely gone. Ow. I, I was just shocked, you know. Sure, <laughs> yeah. How could you do that? But I th- still think of it often, you know, just and that taught me to, you know, sometimes you're just heading the wrong direction. And it's so true. The piece I ended up making was completely different and way stronger. And sometimes you just have to just not just move away, you know, yeah. start over, but- whatever. You have to, just don't think of it as so precious. I think that's helped me a lot, like with my cane work, because, you know, you put a lot of clay into something and it might not work out. Right. Even early on, I would just squish them all up and see what color it would make. (laughs) And and, and slice it the wrong way. Just do all kinds of different things to, you know, not be so precious about it. Right. That was the last episode that got posted was um, the preciousness because it's like, yeah, it's very hard once you've put anything of yourself into it to be like, oh, well, now it's like a live being or something that I can't take it apart or tear it down or or crush it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just such a great lesson. (laughs) Yeah. So the teacher was right. You've been thanking her for that for years yep. now. She was so right. <laughs> so right. That's great. Now, how, how do you think your family or friends would describe what you do? You've probably heard a few people try to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As everybody, even I have trouble describing. But um, yeah, I don't know if my mom uses this term still, but she used it, especially as I was starting out. She would call me, she would say, I'm a working artist. 
Uh-huh. You know, like she just couldn't say it. my daughter's an artist. She, she'd have to be like, she's a working artist. She's like, she really does have a real job. She doesn't have a job, but she's really working. You know, try to describe <laughs> it. But um, but it it is fun to see. My parents love to come to art fairs with me and help me out, and especially oh, nice. my dad will make sure everybody sees how a cane is made. You know, because he's so you know interested and fascinated with That's the magic great. of it. And oh. he'll come up to people. They'll be like, even not quite in my booth yet. And he's like, have <laughs> you seen how they do it? She does this, you know? <laughs> so, what a great yeah. cheerleader. <laughs> They've been very supportive. Yeah. Oh, it's like you got a little, little, what do they call them, crier outside your booth? Come see yeah, this. Come exactly. see this. That's amazing. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, so here's one of my favorite questions to ask people. Are you a planner or a pantser? Do you plan your work or do you just kind of go by the seat of your pants? I feel like I know what the answer is going to be, but people always surprise me. So yeah, yeah what's your process? I would say I am 90% pantser. I am, yeah. But the, the, 10%, <laughs> the 10% really matters. And yeah. I mean, I pretty much that's how my whole life, even like if I'm going to go on a trip, I'll plan just, you know, getting there and the place to stay. But I do not want to plan like what I'm going to do each day. I, you know, I hate that you have to get like reservations, yeah, reservations for things. Yeah. 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 I can't stand that. So yeah. And when I make my art and now I'm making these really big pieces, it's, I, I have to have some sort of planning. I went to, my very first one that I started, I wanted to just head right into it. And I'm like, you know, if I make a really big piece and I end up with a lot of like work put into a part, it's going to be really hard. So I have been doing a lot more, at least a loose sketch of where I'm headed and then laying things out and taking a photo of the like yeah. laid out mixed media pieces. But I mostly, even in my day-to-day life, I'll get up and I'll be like, I'm going to do this, this, this. And then I get in the studio and something else. Like, Wait, <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. I'm pretty impromptu. You have access to a planner <laughs> in your head. Yeah. It, it's it, there to get me through. Yeah. <laughs> good. And I want to make note that you're in a working studio right now because we're going to probably end up with some of this background I'm, noise, which is, you know, I actually like ambient noises. But, you know, it's like such a no-no in podcasting. But <laughs> I can yeah, hear other yeah. people are doing things. There's things that are getting shuffled around. There's phones going off here and there. So There um, could be. Yeah. So you're in a very active place. Yeah. 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 Open to the public. There's oh, a lot going right. on a lot of times. It's always open to the public? Yeah. At 11 to 5, Monday through Saturday. So I'm not always here. Do people kind of come but, and go? Yeah. I mean, do you get people on a regular basis coming through? Oh, yeah. We're not right on a main street. Our whole building is on a main street, but our building door is kind of off the main street. So, you know, it's not a ton of like walk-in traffic, right. but people come. There's a couple other studios and businesses in our building. And so we get a little cross traffic here and there. And it's fun. It's fun to get interrupted and yeah. you know, interact with people and Show them what you're doing. And- yeah. Because I always thought that was the hardest part about being a working artist was that you're just making stuff by yourself. And until you go to a show or whatnot, nobody really yeah. cares what you're doing. I always just felt so yeah. isolated. And yeah. it sometimes be really hard to concentrate. Yeah, it's pretty fun that literally I can finish something and put it right on the wall and somebody might come in like that same day and see what I just made. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, it's good. You have yeah, such a great situation. I'm so envious. <laughs> I feel really lucky. <laughs> you're really lucky. It's so wonderful. Um, okay, here's just a fun question. Do you have a favorite guilty pleasure food? Uh, well, I love baked goods. I mean, oh, just yeah. baked cookies. <laughs> you know, just, oh, I just draw me in. And I do love cooking, and I love cooking anything that involves like squishing things, you know? Oh, kind you're of just into squishing. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love to squish. So, like homemade noodles and homemade tortillas are one of my favorite things oh. so when i'm on mm-hmm. long trips and i come home i literally did that my last trip i came home and like we're making homemade tortillas mm-hmm. and I, I just eat them and eat them they're so you know simple and delicious and yeah. put anything on them 
So it's not so much guilty pleasure as just you have this That's this like almost tactile thing yeah. that you're drawn mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I love kneading dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and for you people who don't understand polymer and caning, it requires a lot of squishing. There is a lot. You start off with a big chunk of the picture. It could be like, you know, like 12 inches wide. Uh-huh. And you squish it, yeah. squish it, squish it until it is like, it could be whatever, an inch or half an inch wide yeah. when you're done. And it's a big, tiny, tiny. long snake of it that you just squish and squish and squish. So lots of squishing in your life. Gotcha. There is a lot of squishing. <laughs> I'm glad you like it because <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, a lot, a lot of squishing to be done. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, you're so funny. Okay. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about, not a little bit, let's talk a lot. Let's talk about the subject matter that when we we have a little discussion before we get on the podcast to kind of figure out the kind of thing that we want to talk about. And you brought up this word wonderment. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. You know, I feel like I lost my wonderment in about in 2009, where I was like, go, 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 go. And then... I kind of just had this lull and it was like the first time ever in my life because I'd had so many ideas, so many ideas. And it was, it was winter and, you know, it's hard to get through the winter. Sometimes, you know, you just get those winter blues. Oh, and sure. I was on a walk or a run. I think I was running back then and something clicked in my mind. And I, I can't even say how it happened, but I looked around me and I started thinking of a new series of work that I was wanting to make. And all of a sudden I felt this like overflowing feeling of wonderment, like just looking around me and going, oh, that could be part of our piece of art. Oh, that could be leading to this sort of like these landscaping things, which is probably makes sense because oh, I was outside right. and, you know, taking yeah. in the world. But that was when I started really realizing what is wonderment and maybe connecting it back to my childlike self, thinking of all the things when I was a kid that used to fill me with wonderment. And then that's when a lot of my art, I, I started looking at what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, the pieces I love the most are the ones that really leave you with that little sense of not quite knowing what it's about, but it could be about many things right. and open-endedness in a way too yeah. that yeah. wonderment can bring to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. like the viewer of the art can really put themselves in there because there's so much to be discovered right. and added to the story that's there. Yeah. And like maybe even every time you look at it, even with my own art, like I'll look at it and I'll be like, oh, now I see this thing going on. Right. Here, you know? <laughs> Those are great yeah. pieces. Now, you said that kids were a huge inspiration for you. First of all, you have kids. Your mother, you said, right? Yep. They're grown up now. They're 26 and 23. And one is a children's librarian. And (laughs) the other is an artist of all kinds. From early on, I mean, I wanted to have kids so bad. I, what I was too, I wanted to be an artist and a mother. So, you know, like it was in <laughs> me. In like, from the beginning. I just love to be around kids. I did a lot of like summer programs when I was working in through high school and things like that. Uh-huh. And just that playing, it's just so fun to play with kids and see where they go, yeah. you know, where their imagination takes you and to lead them along a little bit and then just like have that collaboration kind of with kids. It's just something that's been in me since the beginning. And a lot of it probably does have to be with being a big sister and, you know, having yeah. those little sisters around I've all the time. Fed you pretty young. Yeah. You said collaboration with kids, it just in terms yeah. of like inspiration. I mean, do you, have you actually done pieces with children? Yes. My favorite series is my scribblescapes. So I let my nephews scribble in my sketchbook. You know, I'm sitting there drawing and they're like, oh, let me try. And I'm like, they just scribbled. And I'm like, oh, yeah, scribble, scribble. And they filled up like half of my sketchbook with scribbles. Yeah. But later on, I'm looking at these scribbles. I'm like, ah, I'm going to turn these into something. They, they felt like magical 
the four-year-old scribble. I've decided that is the key age. <laughs> four-year-old <laughs> like, scribble. They is just perfect. are so loose and just free. They're not trying to look like anything. They want to just see where the line takes them. Yeah. And so I've, I still have some of these scribbles that I've harvested and I'll turn them into sculptures. So I've done probably half a dozen or more sculptures from these scribbles. Like one was a rocket. So it had these very scribbly, rockety kind of something coming off of it, you know, flames uh-huh. or something. Yeah, but yeah. they really look like flames. They're scribbles. It was really unusual. And a scribble garden and a scribble museum. Yep. I love that. I love when people do that. It's such a cool thing to go back and see what children have done and what they see and how they see the world. Yep. To take that view and use your artistic skill and the things that you've yeah. gained through your years of living and being an yeah. artist. Yeah. That's really, that's magic. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Every time I've seen something like that, it's just like, that's magic. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. There's something about it. So <laughs> do you keep children in your life? <laughs> You're like, I must have children in my I, life. This happens. <laughs> in order to have that inspiration? Yeah, my husband says I'm just a kid magnet. So yeah. it just happens. Through the pandemic, when we were all isolated, one of the shops in our building had a little boy. He was like six at the time. Uh-huh. And he was in my studio almost every day through the pandemic. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, how can you not? You know, <laughs> it's just always happens. I'm lucky I have a lot of nephews. I still have a, a four year old nephew and a, uh, well, almost four and six year old nephew. Yeah. So. Just getting to hang out with them as much as I can and really spend the time with them. Yeah. I just got to spend a, like a week with them and we went on what we were calling mystery adventure walks just through yeah. the neighborhood and just looking at everything and talking about, oh, what could this be from? And we were got on this uh, whole idea that somebody was painting everything blue and everything blue that we saw, we would be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and, yeah. So. Well, what a way to get a kid focused, but what mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. for you to see the world differently because now you're watching yeah. what they notice. Exactly. And did they come up with kind of like weird little crazy things? Because it sounds like you're making oh, yeah. a story as you go, right? It was kind of, yes, yes. And they finally decided it was probably Bigfoot. Oh, <laughs> love it yeah Yeah, the kids will come up with stuff you would never come up with our brains that just don't work that way it's just it seems so random but it's coming from somewhere but right (laughs) and if you try to think about where is that coming from where is that connection why do they think bigfoot and it might be because oh we're covering all this space and we need some big you know someone with long stride that's gonna be able to do all this stuff yeah what's their logic or they just dip her hand (laughs) into their little bowl of imagination in their head but either way what a way to access your imagination and your unconsciousness in yourself as an artist do you feel like that's what you do yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of click back to when I was that exact age that I, of the kid that I'm with. Yeah, I feel like all those ages are kind of like in my head and whatever age, even if it's down to like, you know, a little baby toddler, you uh-huh. know. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're all still there and just can kind of reconnect with it and think that same way. Yeah. Have you made efforts to kind of keep that alive or is that just very automatic for you? Or is it just because you always have kids around that you're able to constantly be in touch with that childlike side? Yeah, I mean, it probably also helps that I'm getting to play with clay every day, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that too. Literally, (laughs) that, that, and just I'm in it all the time. Yeah, you can't imagine it going away. It could be someday, but yeah, yeah, it's just always there. That's great. Yeah, but it does help to actually be with kids and kind of feeds it, you know? It's like watering the plants, I guess. I know you as an artist, it's extremely important that the childlike imagination is something that's accessible 
Do you see that as important for other artists, like very serious artists who do very dramatic stuff? Would they benefit, you think, from accessing that childlike mind? Oh, yes. And I think maybe if they thought about it, they probably already are. But I think that the artists that maybe would really benefit the most would be artists that kind of maybe get in sort of a rut of like production art. Mm -hmm. Or if you figured out some way like this is the thing that sells, so I'm going to make a bunch of these, you know, and maybe that feeds you. I think for some people it totally works, but I think some people eventually burn out if you just keep doing this one thing that seems to be working. But to let yourself like be like a kid and break the rules that you've given yourself. Yeah. You know, if you've told yourself, I'm always going to, you know, paint everything in blue and black. Well, maybe a kid would be like, oh, I really need to see what some purple is going to look like and some pink splatters over right. that. Just try it. And Yeah. Like the permission to just do whatever comes to mind, the permission to just play. Yeah. And kind of step away from the, the adult in your head saying, I have to do this because la, 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 this is the it's thing. It's hard to that get away is, from that. <laughs> you know, that I've been doing for a long yeah. time. I think it's very important to figure out what rule you've been following and stop and tell yourself, okay, well, what if it is? And kids have taught me that in the past, coming into my studio. And I remember my nephew just grabbing the pliers and it's like, okay, pliers are for wire. You know, yeah. but no, he's going to use the pliers on the clay yeah. and he's going to squish the clay with the pliers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that kind of makes a cool texture. <laughs> it was one of those moments where like, yeah, what is the rule? The, the rule is not that pliers are always for wire. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting note. I've always wondered why people think yeah. things are only for one thing. And of course, we're fed like so much like here's this product it's going to help you do this. And that's what it's for. Or I like to go to Home Depot or whatever big uh, hardware store. Uh-huh. And look at things and think, what can I do with that? Not like, oh, this is for that and this is for that. And that's the kind of store where things are very specifically for, this is for ducks, yep. for your heating. This is for, yep. you know, and I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I'm going to take exactly. this flashing and I'm going to make a sculpture out of it. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hardware stores can be so much fun. Right? Yeah. And if you walk into a hardware store and thinking like a kid, you'd be like, whoa, I could take all this stuff and do all kinds of different things. Yeah. So you can really walk into any store with a childlike mind of what could this be? And like yeah. find all yeah. kinds of crazy things you would not have seen before if you yep. weren't thinking like a child. Yeah, thanks. Way more fun. Yeah, I think there's something like about like when you learn some technique and you get all these like rules, you feel like, well, I have to do this this way in order to be successful right. because that's what the teacher right. said. And, you know, this is the limitation that you know, they have given me and it's you're only going to be successful with that. But you're really going to have more fun with it if you kind of go into like a more of a trial and error yeah. type mindset. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's hard to do. And some people don't like learning that way. But when you do that trial and error, that's totally like how a kid really learns something. Yeah. Just, you know, see what happens when this gets smashed up and see what happens when I throw this on the wall. Yeah. It's not like the kids <laughs> yeah. in, in like grade school get a lesson on how to make art. They're just, yeah. here's the paint. Yeah. Now, here's not how yeah. not to like destroy the classroom. And that's like it, right? Right. <laughs> Right. You got a couple yeah. of rules like I mean, hopefully <laughs> wear this apron and don't touch your fellow students with your painted hands. Yeah. Don't paint yourself too much. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's like it. Right. And that's yeah. the rules they get. I'm a terrible student these days when I go into an art class. And a lot of times I was doing it for the magazine or whatnot. And then like halfway through the lesson, I would just start doing my own thing. 
And it's funny, like some teachers are like, oh, that's great. That's so cool. And other ones are like, no, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Right. I'm like, exactly. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm a bad student. I can't just keep doing what you're doing. I have to go. Yes, I've had students forward. like you before. Trouble. <laughs> Yeah, but it, I love that you're funny. bringing out the whole like, yeah, if you think of it in terms of like being like a child, if I was in a children's classroom, I wouldn't be given yeah. a bunch of rules and been expect to stick with them. Yeah. I would just yeah. be given the freedom. I mean, it's nice to have the shortcut that the teacher learned how to use uh-huh. this material, these tools together, and you learn like a new set of skills. Uh-huh. And then you go and you do what you feel that you want to do with them. And that's what a child would do. Yeah. Sorry, I hijacked the conversation for a while. I'm very passionate about that. <laughs> I agree completely, yeah. <laughs> is there anything specific you do to access your child side? Or is it just always there? Like you're like, I got to go get extra yeah. energy for some children so I can go do my work. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I know, I've called myself like a child vampire. I was just going to say like, that. Up. I was like, oh, that, that sounds bad. No, 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 I totally done that. It's a childlike imagination <laughs> vampire. Yeah, but I think it is always important to really feed your views and getting more put into your brain. Like yeah. Going to museums. I mean, I love museums. Right. But then, like we were talking about, like, Go out in the world thinking of the world as a museum, you know, hardware store could be museum, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I also just remembering back to all the things that uh, were filled with wonderment when you were a child. My grandmother was so kind. She would let us just dig through anything and she'd let us dig through her office supplies, you know, these big, heavy drawers of old office supplies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they were so interesting. I, I didn't know what most <laughs> of them were for, but yeah. just... To think of that, you know, when I was that age, digging through this weird materials that I didn't know what they were. Yeah. That kind of just, it feeds your, that wonderment. It just, even the memory of it just sparks it. It's a good feeling. Right? Yeah. (laughs) That's great. She had a lot of eraser pencils. I don't know why she had so many eraser pencils. They didn't exist anymore. With the wheel on the end? I don't know. Remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like an eraser wheel. And they were the hard pink ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Weird yeah. stuff like that. Label makers and weird things. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about all these ways that you access children's imagination and that you get inspiration from them. Is there some things you would like to offer in terms of advice for artists who maybe don't readily access their child side? What are things that they can do to try to get more of that curiosity and childlike imagination out there? Yeah, well, I really think just trying to trick your brain into looking at things as if you don't know what they are. Yeah. And it's not like you have to look at something and try to figure out what it is. It's more like just looking at it and thinking it, there's a lot of possibilities of what that could be. Right. But whether it's the story of like, why is that there? Like just today on my walk, over here to my studio, I found a little nest on the ground that was like a beginning of a nest oh, that a bird had yeah. made. And it had like a little piece of, you know, shredded paper in there uh-huh. and, and like plasticky netting stuff in there. And it was just the beginning of a nest. And I was just like, this little treasure of a nest, it's, it's a beginning or an end of a story. Right. It's, uh, where did it come from? Ask those questions. I feel like even thinking of a kid asking questions like, you know, what was this? Where did this come from? And you don't have to actually have the answers. Just knowing the questions are there. It does something in your brain. You know, makes you feel that wonderment. And what it just naturally brings up before you try to get too logical about it. Yeah, don't be logical. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> that, it's like just trying to shortcut that logic. Yeah, and I think it's right. a hard thing for us to do these days as artists because most of us don't have a bookkeeper and other people to help us out. <laughs> yeah. But we have to be the business person as well as yeah. the artist, right? And yeah. so we have to use both sides of our brain. I mean, absolutely, we do use both mm-hmm. sides of our brains 
exists to be creative, which was some interesting research I did recently. But it is hard if you spend the morning on accounting and figuring out your marketing, your promotions, and then you got to go make art Mm -hmm. and your brain's like gets all logical about it. So it would be great to be able to stop and say, I'm going to be a child right now. Yeah. And maybe you shouldn't expect yourself to be able to just like click right into it. I mean, a little structure is always good. And sometimes that feels like a launching pad. Like sometimes I'll take a pile of my scraps and just bring those and put them on the table. And uh, maybe I'm giving myself the assignment of like, I'm going to make a bunch of little tiny creatures because those are very popular. But rather than like a kid, maybe would have like, oh, I'll just do free for all, but that's a little bit overwhelming is I'll actually like work my way through the scraps, you know, like from one end to the next and, you know, just sort of organize them, maybe work with them like, okay, I'm going to make myself make creatures from this end of the scrap pile to this end of the scrap pile. (laughs) And I can't go, I can't leap over. I have to use the first few things that are coming up. And that's kind of like an assignment because that assignment can really help you kind of get going, but you're still playing. I mean, I think also, I mean, we don't realize how many rules kids give themselves when they play too, you know, to to get themselves to kind of have that limitation like even just thinking of that walk with my nephews it's like they gave themselves the rule of we're going to look for everything blue and that's going to be part of our goal so they you know? came up with that yeah ah, yeah they totally came up with interesting. that interesting i never yeah. really thought about that i mean i in art we talk about having limitations because it does help direct you yeah pre-for-all can be very scary for a lot of people because i don't know what to do you know i don't know where the ideas yeah, come from it's too much but all of our ideas come from limitations even if it's a i wonder if you know or I really would like to make something that's reminiscent of my beach trip. We start with limitations. That's yeah. where the curiosity comes from. Yeah. Is like what ifs or whatnot. Those are limitations because now you're working within whatever your suppositions are that you've brought up. But I never really thought about children doing that, but they must. Yeah. I think they do. I, I even think of my daughter when she used to have this whole little tiny town village sort of thing in our attic. And she had all these little animals and she had a whole structure. Like she literally wrote leases for her um, stuffed animals for staying in. And they had a monetary system with their little beads that they used as money. Like, so they still are making up these these rules. That's amazing. But they're in their own little fanciful world. Yeah. Yeah, And at the same time, also break the rule. Paul, what is the rule? How much are you going to break? There's a fun play between those two things. <laughs> yeah, the kids are really masters at that, aren't they? They huh? have the yeah. rules and, and then they try to break the rules, but they kind of like come back to like whatever little corral they have for themselves. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's cr- I haven't really thought about that. That's a really great, I think, analogy for an artist too. Yeah. Make some rules, have some structure, and then yeah. you've got to know how to break it. That's kind of the key. And just break it a little bit here and there. Yeah. What happens? And you, yeah, I think we always have to keep doing that. Even I, I teach a lot of classes and there's a few different techniques that I've been teaching for a long, long time. And one of them in one step, I've just recently been, if anybody gets done early, I say, okay, extra credit, pick another color and do something completely different. So they've been controlled by the rules. And then now it's like, do anything. And I've actually had a lot of fun with it myself because I'm like, okay, now I need to break my own rule. And <laughs> what do I do here? What what kind of classes do you teach for adults or children or everything? Um, it's it's a big mix. I love to teach adults because I love to get some wonderment and, and magic into their lives. Yeah. And I love to teach adults that are non-crafters and non-artists because they're more challenging. 
crafters and artists are super easy, although they could be troublesome like you, and then they go off the rails <laughs> and do different things. Yes, but no, that's, that's good, though. <laughs> but especially if you're doing something really creative, then, you know, they're so easy because they'll just dive in. Yeah. But teaching, like I used to teach at the um, Parkinson Center. So there'd be people that are even losing their ability to move as well. And these are mostly older men that are retired that never really thought of themselves as artists, right. you know, farmers and, and mathematicians and engineers and, you know, right. all types yeah. of people. Yeah. And so teaching them and seeing them get that wonderment back in their life, you know, really, because the technique of the layering of the Millefiori is already very fascinating that, you know, you right? follow a few steps and do these few things. And then it's like, wow, I made magic. <laughs> so those are my favorite classes. Or like if you get like the whole family comes for a class and uh -huh. you've got like grandpa and grandma who are like, I'll just sit back and watch. And you're then like, no. before you know it, they're like, oh, <laughs> let me try this. Yeah, I usually tell people, I'm like, you're not going to be able to just sit back and watch. You just wait. You're in here. <laughs> How cool. Yeah, I get a lot out of it. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask the wind down questions, although some of them are kind of big questions. So what, what do you think is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career, whether it's a personal lesson or an artistic lesson? What do you think is the most important thing that you've been taught by what you do? Gosh. Well, there's so many lessons. I mean, <laughs> right. my latest like lesson I've kind of taught myself, and I think part of it is being away from doing art fairs and everything with the pandemic and then getting back in. Yeah. And I kind of went back into the selling mode with a different mindset of not like the actual exchange of money. It's not the only currency. The other currency you can get is those interactions with people and just the the joy and the feeling that you get from being able to show your art and getting feedback and that whole just idea of people getting something out of your art. I mean, that yeah. is something. If so, you know somebody comes in and looks at your art, that is something that you're getting is somebody's appreciation. Yeah, you know? knowing that it's meaning something in their lives. Right. Right. So, so the value yeah. beyond the monetary gain that yeah. you have when you sell yeah. something, exactly. there's so there is. Yeah. There's so much more to there's it. There's more to it. Yeah. There's more to it. Yeah, I started at the end of art fairs. You know, a lot of art fair artists will stand around. How was your day? Was right. sales good? And yeah. now I try to ask a question like, oh, well, what was the most interesting interaction you had of the yeah. day? You know, like, how about that? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good focus to have because a lot of times you don't necessarily sell, but sometimes you have like really great stories right. or um, yeah. you meet really interesting people or have really interesting feedback from people that you didn't expect. Yeah. And those are precious and valuable. And you get they stories. <laughs> you do. You do. Gain you get stories. stories from it. Yeah. 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 That's why I feel like my life is like I just gathering stories, you know, because yeah, nothing yeah. else is going to come mm -hmm. with me wherever I go. But my stories yeah. are hopefully as long as my brain stays active. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those will yeah. come with me all the time. That uh, is so true. Super valuable. Yeah. yeah. So I always ask people, how do you feed your muse? What kind of things do you do to keep yourself inspired? So is there anything beyond children? <laughs> Because I think we talked yeah. a lot about the children yeah. inspiring you. Is children, there anything else? I mean, tra traveling. I mean, every yeah. time I, I do travel a lot for art fairs, and I know it sometimes it's hard to do. But when I go someplace, I try to make time to go at, to the museums, mm -hmm. any museum, you know, whatever it is. On my last trip, I was driving through Kansas, and somebody told me about a little art center, and I was like, I am stopping at that little art center, you know, just in the middle of Kansas. And the art they had there was amazing. Right? Yeah. And they were, only half of the show was up, but they had a show of all local, like right within that like county, five county area yeah. artists. And 
what they were doing was so cool. It's like great. these mosaics and stuff. And Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a new goal to try to like find yeah. some little out of the way place. I mean, because I drive through these places. I yeah. know Hayes. I've been through Hayes many times, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to stop and look at an art museum. Yeah. But what a cool idea when you're traveling around. Like I'm in some little spot. I'll, you know, take a break off the road and go check out some art. Okay. Yeah. It's going on my yes. road trip list now. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you fail. Like I was trying to stop at an antique store and Nothing was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just not. But every once get in a off while, but that was experience too. Just like, wow, this is like a one road town, and it's only a dirt road, and uh, you know, here it is in the middle of Kansas. <laughs> it's kind of like making art. Like yeah. sometimes you try stuff, and sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, and then sometimes exactly. it's amazing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So true. Okay, and then like one of my biggest things is that. We as artists are often fed that success is monetary or getting into museums or galleries, but there's so many different versions of success. Do you have like a different view on success? I feel like you you would. Well, I used to always say my definition of success was having somebody do the things that I didn't want to do, be able to hire oh, somebody yeah. to do the things I don't want to do, <laughs> like bookkeeping and, and shipping and yeah. all those things. Now I've gotten to that point and uh, to me, when I look around at where I'm at right now, it, it really it makes me feel successful that I am able to mentor other people and share my knowledge and share like a lot of the mistakes, the things that went wrong. It kind of makes you appreciate all the things that went wrong. Yeah. You know, you can talk to another artist and be like, yeah, that, that happened to me. Here's, you know, what I did. And, you know, yeah. the, to get to that point, because I had a, a really official mentor through a program when I first was out of art school and to be on the, you know, the, the other end where literally you still get so much out of it as a mentor that makes you feel like oh, I've gotten somewhere <laughs> right yeah it's, it's an acknowledgement as well as something that feeds you yeah I have to agree with all of that I would feel much more successful yeah. if somebody else was doing my bookkeeping <laughs> yeah it'd <laughs> <laughs> be amazing yeah uh. <laughs> so tell us what you're doing now what's coming up where people could see your work yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much going on right now. It's kind of insane because <laughs> I've got art fairs. I've got two solo shows up uh, that, well, that will be up at the same time and some other. So I do a lot of shows in art centers beyond the art fairs. Uh -huh. But for art fairs, one art fair that um, maybe people will go to that listen to this is at the Ann Arbor State Street District Art Fair. And it's July 20th through the 23rd. Okay. I know that people drive from a long ways to go to that oh, one. Oh, okay. And then I just have everything on my website. That's the laylmcdill.com. So L-A-Y-L-M-C-D-I-L-L.com. I have to spell everything out. And then you have a newsletter there. If somebody wants to follow you and, and see what you're up yeah. to and where you're going to be next. Yeah. All the all the socials. It's just my name. All right. So Lael McDill, just all one word kind of thing. And yeah. find you on social yep. media. Okay, great. Well, this has been a great conversation. I knew it would be fun to talk about this childlike wonderment thing. I didn't yeah. realize how many ideas I was going to get out of it. So I really appreciate all the stories and the sharing. Thank you so much yeah. for, for doing that for uh, us. It was so fun. I got so much out of it, too. I really appreciate this. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and Hopefully you go out and look at the world with a childlike view, trying to look at things as if you had never seen them before, right? And go to museums while you're on the road, go hang with some kids because they're such great teachers for us, and just really recapture that wonderment that you had as a child. And maybe you still have sometimes, but maybe it gets set aside because we have all this business stuff and all this logical stuff in our lives that we have to attend to. But you want to reach back for that because it really does 
aid your creativity and spark your imagination. So if you would like to write me your thoughts, maybe you have some stories about your own childlike wonderment, I'd love to hear it. Write me at thesagearts.com on the contact page or on the Facebook or Instagram podcast pages, which is the Sage Arts Podcast, all one word. Or we have that new share space, the Sage Arts Share Space as a Facebook group. So we can write there as well. Let's start a conversation on there. I'd love to see that happen. And if you get a lot out of this podcast and you want to give back, you can do that on the homepage of sagearts.com. Just a little ways down, you'll find the PayPal and the Buy Me a Coffee buttons. Those links are also in your show notes. Like everything I mentioned, if it's a link, it's going to be in the show notes. So if you're on a podcast player, check those show notes out. And that includes all of Lael's information. So look at her art. It's just so inspiring and fun. And just you'll understand what we were talking about if you're not familiar with art. And remember to check out Facebook and Instagram for stuff that I will post this coming week about her work as well. If you want to help spread the word, hit the share button on those posts or you're welcome to grab images and repost so other creatives that might be needing this kind of conversation can better find us. In the meantime, go out there with those childlike views of the world. See everything like if you've never seen it before and feed your muse with new experiences. Be true to your weirdness. And we'll see you next time on the Sage Arts Podcast.